0: Hello everybody and welcome to episode 8 of the Showbound podcast presented by Axel Watches.
1: I'm your host Michael Raskin, once again joined by Barry Colts, Ethan Cardwell. Cardy, what's going on? Not much man, just hanging out. Uh, just received some bad news about the uh, Ontario government shutting us down, going into lockdown for the next month. So that's not great to hear, but uh, you know what? We're going to make some great content in this time off uh, on our free time.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be it's going to be good. We'll get some good content out there and now, we got some good news that hockey is back. The NHL will be returning January 13th for sure. We'll get into that in a bit. We also got the World Juniors coming up, which we'll talk about. Before we do, I just want to mention um, if you haven't got one yet, you got to get these Axle watches. They're so sick. You can use the Showbound promo code Showbound15 for 15% off Axle watches. The nicest watches in the game. I rock it everywhere. Everybody's telling me how great it is. And definitely check out Axle watches. Um, but yeah, like I said, Hockey's back. NHL returns January 13th for a 56-game season. I'm going to get into some key dates here. We got training camps opening up on January 3rd. April 12th, trade deadline. The playoffs start May 11th. Last possible game in the Stanley Cup final will be July 15th. Expansion draft for Seattle, July 21st. And then big one for cards he's already got on the calendar. Entry draft, July 23rd, 24th. So um, I think he's got... (laughs) july 23rd actually started there so um
1: (laughs) and then free agency july 28th how excited are you for nhl hockey cards yeah bro it's gonna be exciting i mean i that's all i've been doing just like um watching sports all day all day long and so that's gonna be awesome and obviously hockey being our favorite sport we're gonna really love it just getting a bunch of games every single night and uh just the intensity bringing it back. Like I know the bubble was a lot of fun for everyone to watch and this is going to be a similar set to it with their divisions and whatnot, but I think it's still going to be a unreal season to watch.
0: Yeah, I can't wait. And even before that, you know, we've been talking about it the last couple episodes. Now we got the world juniors coming up as you listen to this. I'm sure they've just started. So we'll, we actually talk about it with Darren Dreger, but when we recorded the interview with Dreger, it was about a week ago and you know a lot of stuff has come out lately like positive covid tests in the world junior bubble and and that type of stuff which we didn't get to talk about in that interview but let's talk about it now um germany has had a lot of positive covid tests sweden staff have a couple and you know they've pushed back the pre-tournament games a few days here so hopefully they can contain this and we can you know have no further issues with the world juniors but I'm going to preview it here. Cardsy, I'll toss it over to your take. I'm just going to read a couple of things. We talked about Team Canada a lot already, but guys like Connor McMichael is someone I expect to tear it up this year. Jack Quinn, I want to see what he does and what kind of role they're going to put him in on this team. And um, we've talked a lot about how we think Canada is going to win. We might be a little biased, but what, what's your overall take here on Team Canada?
1: Yeah, I, I know we get into it a little bit in the Dragger interview as well. Um, so I'll just touch on it quickly, but yeah, I think Canada runs the table. Um, I got some connections there. Obviously a few of my boys are playing and just the team they have. They're so deep, like their scratches or their 14, 13 forward are superstars in the game. So there's no doubt in my mind. They don't win every single game, clean sweep their division and then run oh, yeah. right through the metal rounds.
0: Let's go. All right. Team USA, Spencer Knight, all the hype about this goalie. This is his third world juniors
1: cards. Did you know that? Third? Third. He didn't play in the first one, but he was he he made the team. Damn, I didn't know that. I knew he played last year, but that's crazy. He's unbelievable though. Um, I actually saw he had a sick mask too. His mask is dirty. I saw it online. This guy, this guy's a pro. He 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 and Askarov, could like they could have a showdown here. Obviously, two of the best uh goaltenders in the world right now. So it'll be interesting to see um those two uh countrymen battling it out
0: yeah that'll be a, a defensive battle for sure really entertaining one and you know notable guys on team usa trevor Ziegris, cole caulfield arthur calley of alex turcot i mean the whole team is notable it's hard to to pick out of that and then i just want to note there's no nick robertson as we we've touched on before maple leaf's young forward and former peterborough pete will not be joining the team uh, Team Russia you, you just talked about Yaroslav Askarov the goalie um, people are already calling him the next Carey Price he's said to be the best goalie in this tournament we'll see how that battle goes with Spencer Knight like you said um, Leafs first round pick Rodion Amarov is on Team Russia I'm personally really excited to watch him I've heard a lot of good things about him I heard he was a steal for the Leafs in the draft but uh, what do you think about Team Russia here?
1: Yeah, I I don't know too much about Russia, to be honest with you. Uh, I know Chaik is on the blue line there, though. So it will be interesting to see a guy from the OHL represent Russia this year and uh, see how he kind of does is uh, he'll still be eligible next year and he's going into his draft year. So it could be a huge step for him as a uh, projected first rounder. And then Team
0: Sweden, they've had some of their best players named unfit to play due to positive COVID tests. But You know, Sweden's always a threat the way they play. They got Tobias Bjornfoot, first round pick of the LA Kings last year. He's going to be someone to watch and Alex Holtz out of this year's draft. Um, You know, just
1: a threat. What do you think about them? You know what I think? Um, I'm going to give you uh, my honest opinion here. I say they lose their streak this year. Um, They have that long streak going of wins in the uh, round robin play. And their division this year is just too tough to do it. I just don't see how it's going to work. And uh, unfortunately for them, I see their uh, run coming to an end here as uh, they got to face an amazing US team and a good Russian team uh, all in the round robin. So I just don't see them going 4-0 this year.
0: I mean, I, I agree with that personally. That They do have a lot of talent though. And it's crazy when you look up and down all of these teams' lineups, how much insanely good junior hockey talent there is in the world right now. It is in- incredible. Um, and I just want to talk about some other teams There's a lot of exciting players to watch on these other teams, like Marco Rossi, someone I'm excited to watch. Uh, Tim Stutzel, I don't know if he had COVID, because if he did, he'll have to leave the bubble, but he's a guy on Germany that I really want to see. Jamie Drysdale on Canada, we didn't mention him with Team Canada, but that's a guy that could step into the NHL this year, someone who will be coming on this podcast at some point. So um, some some good uh, talent on these other teams.
1: Yeah. There's a ton of talent across the board and it's going to be an exciting tournament. It's going to give uh, i know Canadians are really uh, proud of uh, their team every year. So, and they're always cheering hard. So it's going to give us a lot to look forward to this Christmas day and uh, the same for the rest of the world rooting for their country. And then in more NHL news, uh, Ryan O'Reilly has been named the St. Louis blues captain
0: or, or not publicly, but he's rumored to be about to be named the St. Louis blues captain. What do you think of that?
1: I think it's a great fit. He's, he's a veteran in the league. Uh, He's one. He he knows what it takes and uh, just to, all around seems like a good guy. He trains. He actually has a different training uh, style than a lot of people off the ice. He does a, a lot of different work than you wouldn't expect. A lot of body weight, a lot of yoga, some hand-eye coordination and uh, stuff along those lines. So, yeah, I, I think he's a great guy, a great role model, a guy who works hard and uh, a great guy to represent the Blues wearing the C.
0: And uh, I'm excited to see him. Everyone knows he's kind of an amazing locker room presence. Even like the average hockey fan kind of knows Ryan O'Reilly's the man. Everyone loves him. So I'm always happy to hear, you know, a good guy get
1: rewarded like that. So that's really exciting. All right. And yeah, just before we send it over to Dregs, I just want to mention anyone in the Durham region uh, looking to get some good food, uh, especially in lockdown, offering takeout the Royal Oak pubs in Whitby. uh, There are two locations and they will be available for takeout and uh, just awesome food uh great experience every time I know I'm a little biased uh being connected to the uh family ownership there but uh yeah all right and let's send it over to Darren Dreger now all right and welcome to pod dregs uh nice to have you what have you been up to
2: uh you know what just uh trying to do what we do as hockey insiders at TSN um you know it's been strange for everybody you guys especially uh, as players not being able to do what you do but uh you know, in our case, you know, there's still an appetite for hockey information. So um, came off a bit of a break. I basically shut it down to the month of, uh, of November. But, you know, we're still doing insider tradings on TSN and TSN.ca Tuesdays and Thursdays. And, you know, doing that's hockey's a couple of times a week and staying busy. So all of it comes from the home studio, the home office. But it's remarkable how busy you can stay when trying to figure out what's happening with the NHL and the Players Association.
0: Yeah, so that, that kind of leads me to the first thing. I have so many hockey, NHL-specific questions I want to ask, but the main one, um, as we record this, the, the NHL divisions have kind of officially come out for the next season. I just want to know, what are your thoughts on them? Especially, you know, we posted up that you're coming on and asked for some fan yeah. questions. Everyone wants to know who you think is going to win the Canadian division.
2: Uh, well, I think the Toronto Maple Leafs are the best team in the Canadian division. I do. Uh, I think that they've had enough growing pains at this stage that uh, they've learned how difficult it is to not only have success in the regular season, but, you know, uh, the disappointment that goes along with not being as complete as you need to be in round one of the playoffs. So we'll see whether or not they're able to get over that hurdle. But I would say from a talent standpoint, the Toronto Maple Leafs are the best. They've got to prove that. And there's no guarantee they're going to be able to do that. I, I do like some of the improvements though that, a couple of the other Canadian teams made uh you know I I look at uh well we'll go west first the Calgary Flames Calgary's a good team they proved that last year you know their goaltending was somewhat inconsistent I don't want to you know hang your disappointment last year all on the goaltending in Calgary but to sign Jacob Markstrom who has been Vancouver's MVP for the past couple of years that was an absolute coup by Brad Treloving the general manager of the Calgary Flames and you know, he did some other interesting things, too. And I, I think Calgary is going to be a tough team in the West. Back over in the East, you can't overlook what Mark Bergeron and the Montreal Canadiens have done. Uh, I've always been a believer in the game of Josh Anderson. We don't often talk nationally about power forwards in, in today's game because they're just not, they're not what they used to be, right? And the game isn't played that way anymore. But Josh Anderson has that old-school element to him. And provided he can stay healthy, knock on wood, I think that he is going to be a terrific ad in Montreal. And then they bring Tyler Toffoli in the mix. And, you know, you check out his statistics. And he's a proven goal scorer. So, you know, even though they gave up Max Domi in the process in that Anderson trade, Mark Bergman effectively touched every position. You know, he looked after some scoring. He added Anderson. Um, Jake Allen gets brought in from the St. Louis Blues. So... Short up the the goaltending not that that was ever an issue uh with uh with carry there but you know i mean then montreal is just all around better so i still think toronto is the best of the lot but until they prove that then it's just you know speculation and guessing at this stage
0: what do you think about the the start date right now at at, uh, january 13th you think that's realistic
2: it's realistic but it's it's a lofty expectation um, you know, when, when people are listening to this podcast, at, at some point in the near future, we might have a resolution of that already. Uh, I know that the NHL Channel Players Association have been grinding it out, and we're not going to get into the detail of that because people's eyes gloss over when we talk about the legal work, the lawyers involved, and the documents exchanging between the, the National Hockey League and the PA and, and all of that. But if they can get it done, then I think there's an excellent chance that they're going to be able to drop the puck on the 2021 regular season by the middle of January. Now, their target remains January 13th. But, you know, if we're talking about the 14th, 15th, 16th, somewhere around there, I, I don't think it's going to be the end of the world. Um, but it's, it's a challenge right now. They're on the clock because, look, COVID-19 is still in the driver's seat, as you guys know, right? There's no guarantee of – what's going on in the Ontario Hockey League or the Western Hockey League or the queue for that matter but look lots of teams have european players and american players if they're coming into canada you look at bc as an example that is a hard 14 day quarantine so you know those players to open training camp january 3rd are going to have to be in vancouver by the 19th of december so that's not that far away so the the two sides are hard at it and I'm pretty optimistic, though, that they will have uh, the ability to drop the puck on the start of the regular season by the 13th to the 15th, somewhere in there.
1: Awesome, yeah. And then um, just kind of staying on that hockey topic and uh, hockey that's going to be coming up soon, and everyone's very excited and a lot of fan questions about the World Juniors. So we just kind of want to get your take on the the tournament itself and if you think it's going to go smoothly and whatnot, and then uh, just just kind of who you like this year.
2: Well... I'm sure hoping it goes smoothly. I think that we all can use a real good dose of, of high-level hockey entertainment as a, as a distraction to what isn't going on and you know, all the speculation around COVID-19 and how it's impacted all levels of hockey and, and sport in, in general. So I just feel like everybody needs that sort of boost. And it's such an annual Christmas tradition too, right? Like it just holidays don't wouldn't see, be the same, wouldn't feel the same without the World Junior Tournament. Uh, So I was glad to see all the players arrive in Edmonton on Sunday via their charters from various parts of the world. Uh, They're into the bubble. There's some testing that they've got to get through here, and they're going to be tested daily throughout the tournament. Uh, So if if, if they can get through the early phases of the bubble in Edmonton, uh, then I think that they're going to be all right because they've got a a wonderful template for that, right, in the return to play in Edmonton. And the fact that the National Hockey League – successfully awarded the Stanley cup to the Tampa Bay lightning under very trying conditions. They proved they can do it in hockey. They didn't have a single positive test in that NHL bubble environment in Edmonton. So here's hoping for more of that. Good luck with the world juniors. I'm biased. I'm you know, it's the one time over the course of the year guys, where I allow myself to be a fan. Now, you know I'm going to have to do some reporting on the world juniors and um, that just goes with the territory. But in this case, Uh, I do wave the Canadian flag on an annual basis when it comes to the world juniors. And look on paper, you look at that team and you guys know they're stacked. I mean, they're absolutely deep, but the world is, uh, is, is filled with elite players. When you look through certain countries, Russia, of course, the Swedes, the Czech Republic, Finland, always plays tough. They've got that brand of hockey. That is just, it's relentless. Right. And I don't expect that Finland's going to play any, differently than that, Uh, but on Canadian soil and home ground, this is a special opportunity for every one of those players. And uh, I know one or two of them. So that's going to make it extra special going into Edmonton and the tournament ahead.
1: Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, Going back and then they have 20 of 22 skaters being a uh, first round draft pick that Canadian team does. So uh, definitely strong, high power offense. Uh, So, any players you look into really stand out at this year's tournament?
2: Hmm, I mean it's a good question. Um I, I really think that Byfield is gonna step it up. And and that's a little bit obvious just given that, you know, second pick overall in the National Hockey League, so nobody's gonna be surprised if he's dominant in this tournament. <clears throat> but you know, he's been relatively quiet from a point perspective, but that's that's uh that's not a reflection of how well he's played. And look, fellas, you know how trying that experience had to have been, right? You know, you would have been in contact with guys inside that lockdown in Red Deer. I mean, that just flat out sucked for those guys. Uh, So that takes a toll to a degree. But Quinton Byfield is such a physical specimen that I just, again, I can't imagine (laughs) that he's not going to be heavily impactful. Kirby Doc, you know, the experience he has from an NHL perspective – um, you know, I think it's pretty obvious that he's going to be uh, a go-to guy uh, defensively with Drysdale and everything that they've got on that back end. I think that their defense uh, is going to be top-notch. You know, a good buddy of my son Mason's, uh, Ryan O'Rourke, sadly was cut, didn't make that team. Uh, and I looked at him going in as maybe a six-seven guy. So as well as he plays, and you guys know this, uh, with the Sioux, you know, For players like that, the great players that didn't make this team, that tells you how good they're going to be. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Cole Perfetti, of course, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they'd take away my Whitby uh, minor hockey card if I didn't uh, pump his tires.
1: <laughs> yeah, you have to throw him in for sure. Ha-
2: yeah, I've got to throw Perfetti into that mix. Um, but just an incredible hockey IQ. and And look the challenge for this tournament historically and and players say the same thing is you have to be able to adjust to the role that you're given on this team. So you might be the best offensive player on your team in the Ontario league or the Western league or wherever you've come from. um, But that may not be the role that you've been given in representing your country on the world stage. And, and sometimes that gets overlooked because, you know, certain elements of the media will look at a player and say, well, you know, this kid only had three points in X number of games at the World J- uh, Junior Championship. You know that must be considered a disappointment. Did you pay attention to the tournament? Did you see the role that this kid played and how well he played? And maybe start on the fourth line, and by the middle of the tournament, now he's playing in the top six. Those are the things that I look forward to. So I, I'm curious how Cole's going to fit in. I'm curious about all the skill set, all the talent that has been assembled by Canada and how the pieces of this puzzle are going to fit into place, but I have no doubt that they will. My colleague, Craig Button, said publicly, he thinks that this team is going to go undefeated. That Team Canada is going to go undefeated at this World Junior Championship. He watches these guys. He watches you guys play a lot, more than I do. I just don't have the time to do it. So uh, I'm looking forward to that prediction coming true, but I want to see it first. I've got a lot of time for some of the other talent around the world.
0: Yeah, uh, I would love uh, for that prediction to come true. It Definitely make me happy. Uh, I, I kind of want to go back to uh, and talk a little about you here. Firstly, when when you were little, did you dream of doing what you're doing now, or like was this the path you wanted to go on?
2: It it really wasn't. It wasn't. Um, you know, I grew up in Western Canada, grew up in Saskatchewan, grew up on a farm, and aside from you know being in the in the agricultural sector uh, sector, rural Saskatchewan. Um, there weren't a lot of opportunities, uh, you know, there were, there are a couple of potash mines, uh, Saskatchewan provides a lot of it to the world. And, and so many of my friends and uh, family members, etc, uh, have made good livings working in the potash mine near Langenburg, Saskatchewan. So that could have been an opportunity for me. But I just didn't feel like that was the right thing for me to do. Uh, played hockey, uh, obviously wasn't good enough to, to play at major, uh, junior level or higher. So that wasn't going to fit. Um, always had a keen interest in sports. And I just happened to be driving into York and Saskatchewan with my mom. This is in the mid 80s, tells you how old I am. <laughs> and we, we heard this radio ad come on uh, talking about this broadcast college in Saskatoon. And I'm listening and I'm like, man, I could always yap with the best of them, right? I, He ne- couldn't mm-hmm. shut me up. I was just always talking and yapping, especially in high school, um, which explains how crooked my nose is. But um, <laughs> but I just thought, you know what, what do I got to lose? You know, it's either that, go to the mine. I knew I wasn't staying on the farm, but my only other option was to go to the University of Saskatchewan, become a phys ed teacher or something along those lines. So. I chose wisely and I went to uh, Western Academy in Saskatoon, uh, got a job in radio shortly after coming out of the college and just found a way to work my way up. But I knew as soon as I started learning the, the essence of broadcasting and uh, what was required to be a broadcast journalist, that I was going to like it. And as soon as I got my first job in Saskatchewan, uh, I just I, I fell in love with it and you know what, I, I, the, the hockey side fell has actually developed over time. It wasn't automatic. You know, I was um, Les Nessman reading the news in the agriculture report on, on small town Saskatchewan radio. And then they recognized my background there and I started to do some SGHL stuff. And, and then I moved to Brandon and became the play-by-play voice of the Brandon Wheat Kings, And then I moved to Winnipeg. And um, by the time I left Winnipeg to go to Edmonton in the late 90s, uh, to host the Edmonton Oilers games then I knew that my path was going to be committed to hockey and I've been very fortunate since
0: yeah and uh, I, I noted it down here your whole path and you really kind of went through the ranks on the broadcasting side like a player would on on the actual yeah. playing side you 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 know did it at every level and um you kind of had your biggest national break I guess with Sportsnet is that right
2: yeah 1998 and a bit of a funny story. So, uh, I'm working at, like I said, I was covering the Edmonton Oilers hosting their games and working for a local station there. The Oilers are in the playoffs. Um, you know, get through Colorado with a fabulous series. Curtis Joseph was a goaltender for the Edmonton Oilers back in the day. It was just a fun team to cover, uh, playing the Dallas stars in round two. And, uh, you know, we had like old flip cell phones back then, like, we couldn't even text people back then. That's, again, the technology was terrible. So it was an off day. Um, it was a practice. The Oilers were practicing. One of the trainers came out of the dressing room and said, hey, Dregs, uh, there's a phone call for you in the trainer's room. I'm like, well, that's weird. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't part of the team. I was a part of the media. Like, you know, You don't get called into the trainer's room to take a call. So instantly I thought I was being pranked because Kelly <laughs> Buckberger, who was the captain of the Oilers, he and I grew up together very good friend of mine. So I thought, Oh, Bucky's up to something here. Sure as hell. And I get into the the trainer's room. And uh, while well, Scott Moore was a high executive with CTV sports that he says, Darren Greger. And I said, yeah. He goes, why have I never heard of you before? <laughs> and I'm like, hmm, I've, I'm getting pranked here. And now, I mean, it turned out uh, a buddy of his worked with the Oilers in their broadcast department by the name of Don Metz, and he had supplied uh, Sportsnet with a, a, an audition tape of my work in hosting games and in doing sportscasts. And, you know, I would say a couple of weeks later, you know, I'm on a plane to Toronto, uh, my wife and I. And, uh, you know, days after that, I uh, was hired by Sportsnet and left Edmonton in uh, early summer of 1998 and launched with cdb sportsnet in uh, the fall of 1998 and became their national host so i uh i went from zero to 60 pretty quick there between leaving the prairies and uh, jumping here into the big smoke of toronto
1: yes absolutely and then uh as everyone knows you're uh with tsn now how did uh, how did that come to be from <laughs> uh, starting it with sportsnet
2: geez you guys ask good questions so um 2006, uh, you know Bob McKenzie, who uh, I mean, he's just the Bob Father, right? He is the uh, the absolute pioneer of of the the role of hockey insider. He literally created it, and you know because of my ho- hockey contacts and coming up, you know, and riding the bus with the Brandon Wheat Kings and Kevin Shoveldayoff was the captain of the Wheat Kings at the time, and Wade Redden was a 16 year old, and you know all these. You know, very good players who made their way to the NHL were now making their way to the NHL, and I kept in good contact. So along the path, I actually started to realize that there was opportunity for uh, me—that I could dispense information. That I wasn't just there to lob softballs as a host to Nick Kiprios and you know all the other panelists. That I could get my information out. So I became kind of a hybrid host slash insider, and I. I got the odd story here or there. So we're covering the Stanley Cup final, and Bobby Mack says to me, look, I'm sick of you and I just knocking heads against each other. You know, TSN is hoping to expand its hockey department. Are you interested? And I said, "I, you know, I kind of am, but let's get through the playoffs, and then we'll have a conversation. So we did. We got through the playoffs. We, we met in his backyard here in Whitby, Ontario, and, um, yeah, he sold me. You know, he said, look, this would be a great fit for you. But Scott Morrison, who you guys may or may not know, I mean, he was a longtime uh, analyst slash insider at Sportsnet before that. He was with the Toronto Sun forever, uh, honored member of the Hockey Hall of Fame. He was the managing editor of hockey at Sportsnet and a real dear friend of mine to this day. And I just, I was too loyal. I couldn't leave because I felt like I was going to leave him, especially high and dry. So I said no to TSN. And it wouldn't have been maybe a week, 10 days later. Management at Sportsnet decides they're going in a completely different direction. Uh, they get rid of uh, Scott Morrison. They fired him, and they fired his next-in-command, Jeff McDonald, who's now the program director of TSN 1050 Radio here, who was also a good friend, and just changed the entire leadership structure of the hockey department at Sportsnet. So the boss at TSN gets word of this. Mark Moliere calls me, and I'm playing golf. You know, it's whatever time it's early, you know, post Stanley Cup or right before maybe had a few days off. I don't remember the, the timing. And he goes, does this change your position? And I said, absolutely. And I was, all right, well, why don't you come into the office tomorrow? This was Tuesday, come into the office tomorrow and we'll figure things out. And uh, they basically hired me, signed my contract the next day and have been uh, pretty happy, I would
1: say, ever since yeah it's uh it's definitely worked out well from small town kid now to uh where you've ended up we interrupt this interview for a message from our sponsor
0: support for the showbound podcast is brought to you by manscaped who is the best in men's below the waist grooming manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels big news manscaped just launched in canada for those listeners in canada you can be one of the first canadians to experience their life-changing products
1: yeah we just got ours in the mail today uh Super excited about! it. I just tried it out for the first time. Amazing experience overall. And uh, <laughs> I, then I I threw on the shirt and the underwear. And I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm not wearing uh, any pants right now. They're just too comfortable. So I'm gonna be lounging around the house in uh, in the Manscaped apparel.
0: The Manscaped Engineering team has perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created, and have their new and improved lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk of yours. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the with the code SHOWBOUND at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code SHOWBOUND at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code SHOWBOUND. It's time to shave those balls, eh? Okay. And then,
1: uh, obviously, there's just been so much going on with TSN through your years there. And then recently, uh, we have the new podcast, Ray and Drags Podcast. So um, can you kind of just take us through that started, uh, how that started, and uh, kind of what you guys are doing with that?
2: Well, uh, I mean, it, it really started organically. I mean, Ray and I, again, are buddies. We, we travel a lot over the years, to cover the world championships together when it's healthy to do that. Um, so there's a lot of downtime, a lot of conversation, and a lot of jabbing one another. And Mm -hmm. and we've got a real like sense of humor. And, you know, you look at the career of Ray Ferraro, uh, all the teams that he played for, the great teammates that he played with, who have so many wonderful stories to tell. And we joked about how one day we need to do a podcast and get some of these guys on to share some of those stories. And, you know, it just seemed to be the right time to do it. And that was last year. And, uh, you know, it seemed to click. Now, you know, we came into the podcast world when, there were there were lots of podcasts but it seemed like everybody launched a podcast last year Uh, so I don't know how much territory there is real estate out there for more hockey podcasts I know you guys are enjoying yours and it's doing well Um, but then all of a sudden the business side of things started to kind of fall into place as well so really that's the essence of it Um, you know we drive the content Ray and I but normally it's 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 looking at the lighter side of things, right? Like we can, we can talk about the heavy stuff for the NHL, but you guys know you're hockey fans. You, you get enough of that. Like you guys probably haven't heard some of the, 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 crazy old NHL stories. And we, we hope to, to fit into that market as well, but it's not all hockey. This week we had uh, Steve Levy who's the, the play-by-play guy for Monday night football on the Ray and Dredge podcast to kick off season two. So, we're going to do a lot more of that as well. But bottom line, it's about sharing our life experiences, some of the past, some of the present and having fun.
0: Yeah. I actually just listened to that episode today. Um, But I want to ask you, since you bring up the stories, obviously Ray Ferraro is a big name. Do you have anything on him you want to share and maybe you expose him a bit?
2: Uh, hmm. Well, I mean, you know what? We're a pretty open book. I, I mean, his tendencies just amuse the hell out of me, right? Like he talks openly on the podcast about how particular he is, right? Like he's a clean freak. So anything I can do when we're traveling to screw him up, like move his papers around or lots of times I've, I've changed the language on his phone or I've done something. <laughs> to him. Uh, The one experience I just kicked myself because I've, I've either lost the video or I deleted it stupidly. But this was, I guess, 2011 Stanley Cup Final, Vancouver and um, and the Boston Bruins. We had a beautiful set in the harbor in Vancouver, overlooking the water. It was just tremendous. Um, but it was glass, so you were like in a fishbowl. Uh, and if you weren't careful, <clears throat> you know, you literally could walk into the glass. And we're getting set to do a panel chat, Golden Live, in the Sports Center, and TSN, and. Um, you know, one of the production staff says, Hey guys, get on set. You know, we're up in like 45 seconds. And Ray is like, Oh Jesus. I better get going. Walks straight into the plate glass <laughs> <laughs> nose and like splits his nose right across no. like, matches his face into the plate glass. Well, I mean, there's blood everywhere instantly. And Aaron Ward was a young up and coming broadcaster at the time. And he was there to do a tape segment. He wasn't supposed to be on the main panel. Well, now uh, Nicole Anderson is her name, who is basically handling all the -the behind-the-scenes stuff. She's got to get ready to the hospital because he needs a couple of stitches (laughs) to close this thing. Meanwhile, Aaron Ward (laughs) is in a full panic because he's got to go on set (coughs) with zero time to prepare and Phil Ferraro's uh, void of not being on set. So that, that story has been told before, but I can't find like, and then of course me being the donkey that I am, I instantly reenact what's happened. You know, yeah. and, and I, I posted it on, on Twitter and Instagram, or maybe I said it internally. I don't remember, but I, I just kicked myself that I didn't keep that video because I, there would have been lots of payback for Ray on that one.
1: <laughs> no, exactly. And then, um, yeah obviously being a hockey insider one of the biggest days of the year for you is uh trade deadline day um i just kind of want to know like what what's it like on trade deadline day and then what's what's the biggest trade you've ever broken and then have you ever made any mistakes on calling trades too early
2: uh yeah um i have and actually there was one a year or so ago uh shoot islanders goaltender he's not with them yet um but there was word that I got from Russia that he had been traded to the Chicago Blackhawks. Oh, my goodness. His name escapes me. I blanket it from my memory. But it was a terrific source who, who said he had just talked to this player and his player had been told that he was getting traded. So I tweeted. And it actually turns out not to be the case. So it, it was embarrassing. You, you never want that to happen. Um, biggest trade, I, I broke the Joe Thornton trade when he was traded from the Boston Bruins to the San Jose Sharks back in the day. And boys, I can tell you, I I almost filled my pants. I was so nervous waiting because that was was pre-Twitter. And I knew my source was impeccable. Had a couple of sources. But when you sling something of that magnitude out there, you can't be wrong. And it was taking forever for the Bruins and for the San Jose Sharks to publicly acknowledge and announce that they'd made that trade. So I was sweating bullets <laughs> on that one. So, I mean, there's been lots. Um, you know, again, I, I, I'm lucky to work closely with Bob McKenzie and have very closely over the years and Pierre Lebron, and now Frank Cervalli is part of our group. And, and we work very well as a, as, as a team, right? So it might start with, you know, I get a tip from somebody and I tell those three guys, they go, all right, well, I'm going to call so-and-so and I'm going to call this guy and I'm going to check with this guy. And that's how we attack those stories. So trade deadline really has evolved into almost trade month. And that's why it becomes almost disappointing, doesn't it? On actual deadline day, because there, there aren't that many big blockbusters anymore and certainly not on deadline day because guys like Jimmy Rutherford are smart enough to get the big ones and get their work done early to avoid the rush. If you will, it's an intense time of year. It is. I, I jokingly always say that it takes me 11 months to repair the damage that I do with my sources in the month leading up to the trade deadline, because, you know, I'm constantly, well, there's gotta be something going on here. There's gotta be something going on here. And you pester and you pester and you pester Mm -hmm. until finally they just say, for God's sake, yeah, here, we're close. Just don't tell anybody where you got it, that sort of thing. So that's kind of the life that I've been living for now. Probably the last twenty years or so.
0: That's that's pretty intense. I mean, obviously, I've I've heard a couple stories from from members of the media about stuff yeah. like that, and um, it's interesting and even so recently that you had to face that embarrassment of kind yeah. of mistaking a trade. But yeah, uh, Sorokin, I wanted to know I think
2: is the kid's name, right? Who's that? I think Sorokin is the goal. Oh yeah, 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 Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one stung. That one left a mark.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. I wanted to know if if have you ever had any like really bad or, or memorable experiences in a negative way with players or, or interviews or something that's gone wrong?
2: Um, I've had lots of players, managers, you know, tell me to quote unquote buzz off, <laughs> maybe not quite that way. Yeah. Um, less so over the last decade or so, because that's not the role that I play as much anymore. And I'm not often, you know, in the scrums and whatnot. And, and that's not my job to, to pester them, but why their power play sucks on any given day. Right. Players get tired of that. It, you know, every player, you guys be the same way, you know, when you play well, you know, when you don't play well, and sometimes you don't want to talk about, but you can appreciate and you can respect when somebody who is there in the media every day is at least giving you the benefit of the doubt. Right. And he understands what he's criticizing or what she is criticizing. It's the ones who take the cheap shots and all of that, that, that become more of a, an issue. I would think generally speaking Uh, and social media has really turned things upside down. Yeah. But I mean, historically speaking, I remember Curtis Brown years ago, the Buffalo Sabres might've been 1999 when they went to the Stanley cup final. I can't remember what it was about, but you know, he didn't like a question and he barked at me, Steve Eiserman. Um, this was when I was in Winnipeg in the let me mid 90s I guess you know the, the original Winnipeg Jets were there this was before they went to Arizona um, and then came back from Atlanta but um, there was all kinds of trade speculation on Stevie Y and uh, I, I went into the scrum with Eisman and I was working with uh, with uh, well it's now CTV Winnipeg and I said, hey Steve you know what do you make of all the trade speculation? I'm sure you hear it every you know, city that you visit and analysts. And he, you know, Stevie doesn't suffer fools. He doesn't put up with nonsense and didn't know me from a hole in the ground back then. And he just like, his eyes are like lasers. And he looked at me and he just said, what are you asking me for? Like, why don't you go ask Scotty, go down the hall and and ask Scotty Bowman. Don't ask me those questions. And it was as matter of fact as that. And I just kind of swallowed my tongue and walked away Um, and and so beyond that, I mean, I had Ray doesn't remember this, but Ferraro back in a scrum years ago basically told me to buzz off. And Brian Burke, when he was general manager of the Vancouver Canucks, our panel at SportsNet sort of made fun of Marcus Naslin, who was injured at the time. It wasn't making fun of the injury or about Marcus Naslin, but how the Canucks were rallying around the injury. And I asked a question, like, does that really happen? Does it really happen? where you, you, you find a way to pull together because of one injury. And guys like Kiprios and Bill Waters and all that just went off sideways and just said, no, it doesn't happen, all this stuff. And Brian Burke called me at home and ripped me from top to bottom. Woke me up first thing in the morning and called me Bush League and this, that, and the other thing. But then about four hours later, he had his PR guy call me back and say, hey, are we okay? Berkey just wants to know, are you guys okay? Everything's fine. <laughs> like, yeah, I guess we're fine. We <laughs> so had a couple of those.
1: Yeah, don't really have much choice. You got to be fine when uh, yeah. you're reporting on them. So, yeah. Uh, I know. I was looking online, and uh, you're big into outdoor rinks, and uh, yeah. you advise people on uh, what the do's and do nots are. And uh, how'd you get into that? And then, what are kind of some big tips for the listeners making an outdoor rink this year? Yeah.
2: Well, look again. I you know I grew up in Western Canada. You can probably hear Tiny the Great Dane barking in the background. Yeah, a little bit. That's it's all right. She makes an appearance every week on the podcast as well. So you're in good company. I mean, I grew up in Western Canada where making ice was. Was not a, a a level of expertise. I mean, you know, it's it's minus fifteen, minus twenty Celsius in November. You know, you can make ice. It's not that big of a deal, um, but just maintaining it and things like that. Some of the tricky parts. Uh, but when I when I moved to Ontario, and then when I had children, it just felt like the right thing to do. And I always had you know a big enough yard where I could uh, I could do it. But here in southern Ontario, I mean it's, it's tricky, you know, it doesn't stay cold enough for very long. And, you know, if you you get a decent base, all of a sudden it rains, or you get, you know, slushy snow, and and you're in trouble. So there's a few tricks of the trade that uh, I learned the hard way over the years. And then I got to an extreme. And this one was more when Mason was, you know, probably around peewee age, something like that, where I'm like, you know, why don't I just get an artificial unit, and I went through custom ice, which is Um, Dave Gagne's company, I think he's still part of it. And we put a chiller unit, I had artificial ice in my backyard for a few seasons. And that was spectacular. Um, but I, I don't do it anymore. We've moved. We had a pond in our last house, which was great. Uh, I don't have it now. We just moved in the summer. So that's why I'm taking on an advisory role. But the one thing, at least in Ontario that I would pass along, people are always in such a rush, right? Like they build their frames. They put their liners down and then they fill their liner with like eight inches of water expecting that, you know, okay, well, if it gets minus five to minus 10, it's going to freeze and we'll be good to go. Well, eventually it will freeze, but, you know, make sure it's getting cold before you put the liner down because otherwise you're picking leaves and crap out of it that has Mm -hmm. gone in there. Um, Or when it's cold enough, just put three quarters, half inch of water at a time and then let it freeze and layer it, layer by layer by layer. Because Dan Craig of the National Hockey League told me that years ago. When you do that, the ice actually cures. It gets harder than it normally would, which means there's less maintaining. You know, There's not as much snow to shovel off, which is a great thing. Uh, and it lasts longer. So any of the rookies out there, the amateurs, uh, that's the first thing I always tell them. Be patient. Just do it layer by
0: layer. I, I wanted to ask one. When- And uh, we talked a bit about Brian Burke earlier, but he's been public about criticizing the NHL draft lottery system. Um, I was wondering if you agree with his thoughts that maybe it needs to be restructured or you have your own idea with that. Uh, I don't really have my own idea of that. And I can appreciate why teams
2: are are frustrated by it. Um, You know, this year was uh, especially, you know, difficult given the things that went down and, you know, the fact that the Ottawa Senators were such a, a tough team, standing wise, the Detroit Red Wings, another team. But any sort of of lottery is isn't going to be foolproof, and I, I think that that is appealing too. You know, you want teams to have a chance. Um, I I'm not a big believer in tank nation, and I know that the National Hockey League has has somehow and in many ways continued to empower the process of the draft lottery in part because of that, you want to make sure that you keep things as competitive as you can so that every team, you know, well, not every team, but most of the teams legitimately have a a percentage chance in the lottery. Cause otherwise, you know, if you're the worst team in the regular season, you know that you're getting the first pick overall. Well, a lot of teams would try and be lousy in the last 20 games plus of the NHL regular season. So there's gotta be some sort of mechanism to prevent that from happening. Uh, And and look, the one thing I know is the NHL is always open to ideas and change. And so even though Brian Burke is certainly among those most vocal, uh, I'm sure he shared his concerns and all the teams have an opportunity anytime they want to share their ideas and concerns with the NHL. So even though the draft lottery year by year uh, can be targeted and openly criticized Look, it can also be changed very, very quickly. So if, if there's any validity to the argument from Brian or anyone else for that matter, I can assure you that the national hockey league is listening. It was just, this year was a tough one, right? Just the way things went together. And then you had the delay in the ball drop and all of that crazy nonsense. It was like somehow the voodoo dolls of the New York Rangers were working overtime, but, uh, it's, it's always been a work in project, but to expect that it's going to be perfect. That's not how it's designed.
1: Yeah. And, uh, that's awesome. But, uh, I want to talk about one more thing here. Uh, it's just a personal question I was thinking yeah. of today. Um, so I remember you talk about golf earlier on in the uh, segment, you were talking a little about you play golf. So, uh, I was just curious if your game's better than Duffy's because I know there's some banter on overdrive with Jeff O'Neill kind of ripping into Duffy's game uh, after their match there against Dubas and Jerry D. So uh, do you have a better golf game than James Duffy?
2: Well, automatically I'm going to pay James respect and say, no, I don't. Really? Uh, No, (laughs) he, uh, Duffy has gotten very good in a short period of time, Uh, but it's, it's, it's it's not fluke he is one of those nerds i mean he works hard at it i like you know i mean his his kids are essentially grown i believe he's got one his daughter his youngest is still at home um but he invests hours per day in watching golf videos like he's got this collection of crap in his office like you know, these gadgets that you strap onto your back and your wrist and all of these things. He's the king of that nonsense, (laughs) Um, but it's paid off for him. So again, I I'm I'm making fun of him in that respect, but the James Duthie that I used to play golf with five years ago, it's not the same James Duthie. I used to beat him handily or more often than he'd beat me. And we both shoot in the low mid 80s at that time. I mean, I have played with him a handful of times since and this guy can get it low. Like he's constantly in the seventies and a lot of times mid seventies. He's, he's that good, but he works at it. He's a student of the game and he plays every single day. And O-Dog is the best we have in terms of the team TSN golf uh, team. O'Dog would be the best. Dave Poolin is very, very good. Duffy is very, very good. Um, Brian Hayes takes a lot of abuse. But he's worked hard at his game. He's actually not bad. Uh, Carlo Koyakovo is, is pretty good. Uh, and then you get into the group of the rest of us. And, we, hey, Tessa Bonham, good golfer. Natasha, uh, good golfer. Kara Waglin, good golfer. But I always bug them. Like, you know, they have nothing else to do. So when it's nice out <laughs> yeah. and warm, I mean, they just hit their Rolodex and say – they call Cabot, can we come, can we play golf for free at your golf course? I mean, I don't have time for that. I wish I did.
1: Yeah. Not too many bad connections there. You call no. Cabot up for a free round. And then <laughs> does, uh, so who's better? Does Mason, can Mason compete with you or is he not a golfer?
2: Uh, yeah, he is a golfer. Um, he's still working at it. I would say they the, the majority of the days I, I would beat him. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I don't know how good you guys are as golfers. He's got that hockey player mentality where he stands at the tee and just lashes at that thing. So mm-hmm. it's more about let's, let's just hit it as hard and as far as we possibly can and less about actually hitting it in the grass and, and trying to make a birdie or make par. Uh, but he, he also worked at a golf course and has for the last few years. Um, so he, he's getting better. He's getting better, but he's going to have to work a little harder to take me out fair enough. All
0: right. Uh, we can go to a couple fan questions here. Sure. Um, we had a lot, so I, I didn't pick <laughs> just the best ones, but I mean, a lot of them were stuff we already talked about, like the world juniors and, and things about you. But, um, one that stuck out to me as pretty funny was who has the worst suit style at TSN? <laughs> <laughs>
2: huh. Well, I gotta be careful with this because, uh, we don't, we actually don't pick them I mean, we have a say in the colors and things like that, but I, I deal with a company in Ancaster in Hamilton. Uh, John Mathiadakis is the guy that, you know, does uh, all my suits and he would do a number of TSN people. So the quality is always terrific. But one thing in TV, you know, we're not flamboyant, right? We're pretty conservative guys. Maybe you wear a flashy tie with, you know, a pocket square or something along those lines. But, you know, th- the TV bosses, executives, always like the more conservative approach. So you're talking about a black, dark blue. On occasion, maybe a gray here or there. Uh, and some of the ex players can get away with being a little bit more out there with a crazy pattern. And Bob McKenzie, in fact, over the last few years, man, he has upped his suit game. Um, so he can't be in that group. I. I might have to go. I might have to pick myself. To oh, no. <laughs> because one of my bosses sent me a note the other day and said, are you losing weight? And I'm saying, oh, geez, I don't think so. It's like COVID-19 man. Um, <laughs> and he goes, Oh, you know, look thin. And he goes, maybe we can get you to stop wearing those boxy suits you wear. <laughs> so I'm assuming that's the cut to not the actual style of the suit, but uh, generally we're pretty conservative. You know what? I, would, I am going to throw somebody under the bus. Gino Retta. Yeah. Gino Retta. I always tease Gino and say he's colorblind because, you know, sometimes the tie and the pocket square are in the same color hue, but not always, not very often. Or he'll wear a check shirt with a striped tie that's just haywire <laughs> or something along those lines. So if I had to pick one, and I know Gino would have fun with it, um he'd probably be the guy
0: (laughs) that's that's hilarious that's the perfect answer um another another one which i found interesting that the fans asked were um like do you have any before you go on air you have any like superstitions or rituals you do or voice exercise or anything like that
2: i don't um i used to and this was years ago you know as an insider it's all about the information right um so I will go through some things like, you know, I'm, I'm doing sports center and, and that's hockey uh, tonight being Monday night. Um, I I wouldn't rehearse, but I definitely want to make sure that I, I know the points that I need to get out there and the things that I need to pass along and, and how I want to do it. Um, but it's more about almost quickly cramming for that exam in the last couple of minutes leading up to it. But when I was hosting years ago, Mike Keenan was uh, one of the analysts and he always got a chuckle out of it because it would be similar to a player or somewhere like that. 90 seconds before going live, I would always kind of spin out of my chair, like just turn around and just close my eyes and envision what I wanted to say in my first sentence or two. So kind of a quick rehearsal in my brain, you know, before going live. And I used to do that before going live every single time when hosting, Um, But I don't I don't do that so much as an insider, because look, I mean, James Dutty, I might think I know the question that he's going to ask, and then he asks something completely different. And I've got to answer that question and then get it back to what I originally expected we were going to talk about. So it's less about the polish uh, and perfection as an insider than it might have been when I was hosting games.
1: Yeah, and I can I can relate to that superstition of closing your eyes and just trying to get through those yeah. first few sentences. I mean, I used to be a competitive golfer, so when yeah. uh, you're just trying to get through those first that first tee shot, and then you're off and running. So I, exactly. I definitely understand where you're coming from there. But uh, I think that does it for us, Rask. Uh, that that's all I got.
0: I just wanted to say that for, uh, for you coming on, we're going to be sending you a beautiful axle watch. I got one. Ooh. I'm wearing right now. So look at that We'll uh, have you take a look at the website and we'll send you a link. You can pick whichever one you <laughs> want, but we really appreciate it and axel watch you're going to be looking really good rocking that on t s n so um, you guys are
2: old school i mean it is old school when you're providing gifts to your podcast guests. good for you yeah well oh. shout out
0: shout out to axel watch is best best sponsor best product there is so uh we we really appreciate you coming on like this has been
1: really awesome and really insightful. So uh, yeah, that's all for me there. Yeah. Just uh, want to say thanks, Dregs, and uh, wish you all the best moving forward.
2: All right, Mike, Ethan, thanks for having me. And uh, man, let's get playing hockey at all levels as soon as possible. We're all needing it and very much looking forward to it.
1: All right. And that was a sweet interview. Uh, what do you think about that one, Rask? Pretty cool. A guy you pretty much watch on TV every every
0: day, like just seeing him right here on my computer screen and getting an hour to talk with him was was definitely special. Um really enjoyed that and and you even said it to me earlier like that was like watching TSN like the way he speaks. Um just so talented. He's really good at what he does and you can tell just from talking to him.
1: Yeah, you just sit back and like you ask a question and then he's not mumble jumbling, he's not giving us like fluff answers. Like it's all good stuff and like it's just like you're sitting there, you're learning and we're just getting great intel. So I hope all the listeners enjoyed it.
0: So we'll get into the bachelorette segment. It was the season finale tonight, but before we do, I just want to mention, I talked about it last week, but uh, Frame by Design is the place to go if you are a hockey player or any athlete who wants to get a jersey framed. I did my minor hockey championship jersey, not a big deal with that guy, uh, Drew from Frame by Design, and he did a fantastic job, did everything I wanted, got it custom with pictures, the game ticket, the plaque, did everything I wanted, went back and forth with me, got it exactly to the specifications I wanted. And he was fantastic. Um, couldn't have done a better job. And I did a, a bunch of research before picking a place. So I definitely recommend frame by design. You can find him by searching on Google or Instagram frame by design. It's frame by design.com. And you can also find it at jerseyframing.ca, both the same guy. Um, definitely recommend it. A ton of NHL players use him as well. So once again that's
1: framed by design the best place to get your sports memorabilia done um uh, wait i'm gonna i'm gonna add though too i just want to tell the listeners that rask loves to talk about his minor hockey days like i was texting this guy today i'm snapping him actually and this guy's just sending me pictures non-stop of the c on his jersey when he's 14 years old can we take this in 14 years old i don't know what are you 23 now 22 but
0: i just want to jump in i was actually that c on that jersey was when i was 14 but i had it from when i was nine. Oh <laughs> okay
1: when you're a nine to 14 you're the captain of a team he's 22 guys he's still bragging about it let's take that in for a sec thank you
0: i was telling Cardsy, yeah, i might get the c tattooed on my left pec do you think that'd look good cards absolutely
1: not i think it'd be <laughs> disgrace to be honest with you
0: <laughs> all right anyway let's let's get into the bachelorette um season finale like i said uh cards you you take it away here and i'll jump in
1: like i don't even have much to say on this i hated it like this is like my worst episode like i did not like it at all just the stuff that went down at the start obviously like buddy comes back ben good for him blah blah but like just the way it ended and i don't even like that guy either what is is zach, zach right zach yeah i didn't like him at all like i get weird vibes from him for sure i i overall zero to 10 on that episode for me just looking forward hoping um our next next season's better how about you
0: like obviously zach seems like a good guy i'm happy for him all that stuff but from an actual um viewer entertainment aspect he was one of the least likable characters i think he was uninteresting unentertaining Um, so I, I think no one was rooting for him, which you, you know, in previous seasons, you're all, you root for the guy who who won, but no one really cared about him. (laughs) Like it was just, so from an actual viewer perspective, I I wasn't like too excited to see him win, but either way, like, obviously I hope the best for them. Um, Ben seems like a good guy, someone who could be a potential bachelor in the future, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I agree. The episode was slow. It was boring. And, um, I, I do want to jump in actually the Monday night episode, Brendan's date, like, Brendan got screwed on his date. Basically, they did a sponsor with the Neil Lane jeweler, and he literally just sat there and, like, watched Taysha pick out jewelry for his date.
1: Yeah, dude, he legit got... Seward into going on a date for her to pick Out her wedding ring and it was a it was a joke Like yeah like you said it was just a Free ad like no free ads Come on (laughs) it was So
0: boring that part too and then she's Like why is he being so quiet like I don't know Like you went on these crazy awesome dates with these other Guys and you just took him to like a little store For you to go talk to some other guy who's selling You jewelry like what do you want him to do and then He ended it with her that night so good for him
1: All right and that uh, that does it for our Bachelorette segment Uh, let's just hope For a better season of the next uh, batch but uh i think that pretty much does it for us this week just want to thank the fans again and uh, be tuned in next week we got another great episode coming
0: a stanley cup champion
1: not a big deal